following is a message at Living Savior Church in Asheville and Hendersonville, North Carolina. To learn more, go to lsavior.org. Is it in the local newspaper's announcement of the dean's list at the local college? Is that where you find it? Is it in the Instagram account, account where, where someone has posted such excellent videos and pictures that uh, he or she gets more likes and followers than any, anybody else? Is that where it is? Is it on a platform set out on, 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 on the middle of the field after the Super Bowl comes to an end? When, when they interview the winners of the game and, and hand out the trophies? Is that where you find it? Where in all this world do you find the extraordinary, the glorious? Depends upon who you ask, right? Depends upon what your priorities are. You're watching this today because you know that God actually answers questions like that. And what you're learning from the word is that God does point to what glory actually is. But when he does that, he doesn't point to the usual persons or the usual places. In his word, he points directly to his son. And then he shows us the glory of Jesus transfigured. That's a big word. And the way it's explained is that for, for a moment at least, Jesus clothing gave off dazzling light. As the writer also tells us, his clothing became, bright, became brighter than anybody in the world could bleach it. Another writer says that his face shone like the sun. And still another says that his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. All this to demonstrate that Jesus Christ is no ordinary man. He's the extraordinary Son of God with an otherworldly glory. But where in our, our world will you find that? Where in our own experiences can you see it? Watch the prophet Elijah with me. Watch how Elijah lives and watch how Elijah leaves. And then recognize that by the grace of God, there's actually glory in, in our own everyday experiences. In fact, this can be said, it's a glorious experience wherever the Lord sends you to serve in his name. And whenever the Lord takes you into heaven. The Lord sent Elijah to Israel's most wicked king as judgment from the God who had been ignored by the king in his kingdom. Elijah says there will be no more rain or dew in the land for the next few years. No rainfall, no moisture on the ground, no crops. No harvest, no food. 
No blessings for a king and a kingdom who had turned their backs on the, on the God who creates and provides and saves. The Lord sending his prophet to speak that extraordinary truth. The king's wife goes into a jealous rage. She begins to kill all the Lord's prophets and promote her own false prophets. So the Lord sends Elijah again, and this time he challenges those prophets of this non-existent idol god to a duel on a mountain. They stand around their altar to draw the attention of their non-existent God. Of course, a non-existent God can provide no attention to an offering or a sacrifice or to those who speak lies in his name. But then Elijah speaks the truth of the Lord, calls on the Lord, and the Lord consumes his offering with fire from the sky. Extraordinary. The neighbor next to the, to the king's palace refuses to sell his prized family vineyard to the king and to his wife. The king complains to his wife about this. She sets the wheels in motion. She has the neighbor murdered and takes his vineyard away from him. So, you got it. The Lord sends his prophet Elijah to confront them for their wretched deed. And the Lord, through Elijah, announces that their kingdom and their dynasty will come to a wretched end. When everybody else is lying to them and flattering them, Elijah speaks a painful, extraordinary truth. False gods, reports of them, fill the land. Altars are built in every place, and the people are bowing down to these, to these false gods. Elijah proclaims the one true God, the only God that can save the sinner. Elijah does what's extraordinary. In the reading before us today, we're at the last chapter in Elijah's earthly ministry. He's now an old man, old and gray. And what you sometimes might expect of an older man is now he'll, now he'll retreat. He'll relax and write his memoirs, share his memories with his grandchildren, maybe look for ways to extend his time on this earth. Elijah does none of that. There's this group of prophets being trained at a place called Gilgal. Faithful spokesmen for the Lord are desperately needed in the land, so Elijah first goes to Gilgal to teach these younger men God's word. There's another school of the prophets at Bethel. The Lord has sent me there, Elijah announces. He goes there, 50 prophets in training, so that he might encourage them and instruct them with the word of the one true God and that they, in turn, can proclaim it throughout the kingdom. There's still another school of the prophets 
at Jericho. Elijah must go there also to, to, to teach them to worship the Lord and, and serve him only. The Lord has sent me. And as he goes to those three schools, as he brings to them the truth revealed in the writings of Moses and the word that, the word that God is directly giving to him, Elijah does what's extraordinary. He equips others to proclaim the saving truth. Is the Lord sending you to a school of the prophets? Or is the Lord using you to support and encourage somebody else to go to a school of the prophets that he or she might be trained? In our little Lutheran church body, there's a school of the prophets that's been given the name Martin Luther College. At our College of Ministry, our school of the prophets, young men and women learn how to, to teach children, how to read and write and, and do their arithmetic. Some of them learn how to teach children Spanish or how to, how to understand English literature and, and or, or they learn how to how to coach children how to how to help, help them learn how to how to work together and play together and cooperate with one another these young men and women of course are being trained to be to be teachers in, in Christian schools all over the world but the key component of their training at this school of the prophets is that they're trained further in the word of the Lord, in the extraordinary truth of Jesus Christ, so that not only can they, can they bring devotions to the children in their care and, and teach them in, in word of God class, but that they can always treat them and advise them in ways that are in keeping with the word of God. That's extraordinary. That's glorious. Roughly a third of the, of the men at Martin Luther College are studying history and music and literature and biblical languages and the, and the Bible itself. And then after four years of college, they're sent to another school of the prophets, our, our seminary. That's where their studies in the word of Christ become much more intense. They learn how to, how to read and preach and teach and, and counsel in the name of Jesus. They learn how to be servants of the good news to, to all God's people. And then after four years of seminary training, each graduate is sent out for the beautiful task of pastoring the Lord's flock. An extraordinary task because it's done in the name of the Good Shepherd. So... Is the Lord sending you to such a school of the prophets? Or is the Lord encouraging, using you to encourage and send someone else? If he is, if you are, that's glorious. Has the Lord also to, sent you to live to his glory in other callings in life? Maybe he sent you to provide care for 
an elderly individual. That's your focus right now. Perhaps he sent you to, to crunch numbers on a spreadsheet so that a, a business can be conducted in an efficient and honest way. Maybe he's sent you to, to use your skills to, to help people do their tasks, to be on time, to be organized for, for whatever task the, the business in which you serve is involved. Perhaps he uses you to help somebody get from point A to point B by, by fixing their vehicle. Has the Lord sent you to be a, a grandfather for teenage grandsons? A mommy for a little boy or a little girl? A friend that somebody can count on for, for godly advice? If you're being sent to a, a daily calling or career where, where gifts and abilities can be used to, to honor the God who gave them to you, where others can be served with the humility and love that, that Christ has, with which he served you, where you'll have opportunities to talk of God's pardon from guilt and, and, and his wisdom for the confused, that's extraordinary, isn't it? There's nothing ordinary about Jesus Christ, certainly not. And there's nothing ordinary about anything that's done in his name to show love for God and love for one's neighbor. So wherever the Lord sends you, recognize it with me. That's extraordinary service. Elijah was being sent Elisha was following him from Gilgal to Bethel to the Jordan, ultimately to Jericho. They crossed that Jordan River on the way to Jericho, another miracle from the Lord. Elijah strikes the water with his coat and the, and the water divides and they, they walk across on, on, on dry ground. A final request is made. Final words are spoken. And then this moment. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. Question, to what degree must we separate the way God took that faithful servant home to heaven from the way he takes you or me or other faithful servants? Oh yeah, dying is a, is a dreadful event and much deserved. Death follows after the rebellion of, of the man Adam and his wife Eve against the one command the Lord had, had given them to keep. Death follows after the fact that we've all inherited their, their sinful nature. Death follows after the fact that you and I far too often have stepped aside from the, from, from the words and the ways that, that in, in which God commands us to live. As one of his apostles puts it, the wages of sin is death. But Elijah 
what he experienced visibly, is it really all that different from the glorious way in which the Lord takes you and me home? After all, what does he tell us? We have a heavenly father who sent his son so that at the very end of this life, whenever that is, he gathers his children, all of them, each of them, one by one to his eternal presence. Maybe my last moments in this life will be spent lying in a hospital bed hooked up to all sorts of devices. Maybe your life will draw to a close as you, as you battle a serious illness. Maybe it'll happen suddenly for you or for me. A stroke, a heart attack, and an accident on the highway. But whenever God chooses to bring an end to our earthly days, however he does it, what goes with that is absolutely extraordinary. Powerful holy angels will come, Jesus says, and they'll escort each soul one by one into God's presence. The angels will have us face to face with Jesus in, in just a moment to be at peace and at perfect rest with him. With our loving Savior at our side, we'll be completely safe, completely joyful. And on the last day, the, the King, our, our Lord Christ, will come and and, and raise the bodies of all who have died and gather all of us who are still alive. The bodies of believers will be perfected in an extraordinary way. No more death or mourning or crying or pain. The old, old order of things that we become so accustomed to have passed away. He'll make everything new as he takes us, body and soul, glorified body and soul, glorious, extraordinary bodies and souls to be in his presence eternally and to serve him for all, all the rest of our days, forever and ever. Is that extraordinary? I think so. Is that glorious? Absolutely. As we saw in our second reading, this prophet Elijah came back for just a short time as Jesus was being transfigured before three of his disciples as his, his face shone like the sun and his clothes became whiter than anybody can bleach them as, the, as they gave forth a radiant light. We're told there were Moses and Elijah Talking with Jesus, one of the writers says about his departure. In other words, about what was going to happen when he left that mountain and went down to Jerusalem and, and there in Jerusalem offered up his life on a cross. And then after offering up his life on the cross, rising from the grave. They spoke with Jesus about that, an extraordinary conversation. Still quite a conversation. As our God tells us about the, the, the Christ who is clearly his son glorious, giving up his life so that we might have life eternal, rising from the grave so that we might have certainty that everything he did was a sufficient payment 
to set us free to be with our God forever. It's extraordinary. It's amazing. It's glorious. And what we look forward to as our Father sends us each day to serve in his name, whatever our calling in life might be, to use our gifts, to use our talents, to use our words, to, to speak well of him and show people this is what our Lord is like. That's glorious. And of course it ends not in a whirlwind, but in a moment when at the, at the day of our death, he takes us to be with him gloriously forever and ever. You want to know what, what's glorious? Jesus is and all that he says and does. What else is glorious? What, how the Lord allows you and me to live for him and then how he assures us we will leave. Amen.